you've got to be willing to innovate. You got to be willing to move into those new areas that help you get there. And like I said, we're just now getting stood up on our, on our new cloud platform. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Corinne Kasman. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Rowdy Clagg on evolving data analytics capabilities to enable digital transformation. Rowdy is a director of data science and analytics for corporate marketing at Lumen. He's been with Lumen for 22 years with a central focus on business intelligence, data engineering, and analytics across finance and marketing during that time. The current scope of his role is to be a central hub for several organizations, marketing, product, business units, supporting digital and customer experience, data stewardship, and governance, campaign performance, e-commerce, and AI and machine learning. Big role. Rowdy, I'm excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Corinne. So let's get started. So I have a number of questions for you, but one place I wanted to start is we know Lumen is in the midst of a very large digital transformation. We also know that Lumen is not alone as many other large enterprise companies are going through their own digital transformations. The reason being is that customer relationships and B2B are changing in response to the current environment we've all been living in for the last two plus years. And really, there's just an overall digital revolution happening right now. So with you being at Lumen for 22 years with such a focus on data analytics, why do you believe there's a need to heavily evolve data analytics for digital transformation? Well, it's uh, <laughs> there's just a lot going on, right? I mean, there, we're, we're in a data-rich environment today. A lot of your interactions are, are now more digital than ever. There's so many tools, capabilities, and just that access that I referred to earlier that it's just a great time to be in the analytics space. You really have no other, you know, you have a lot of options is my point, right? Um, and quite frankly, why wouldn't you explore and drive and help out in that transformational activities? This journey is, it's not new. <laughs> Certainly it's, it's taken a little while too for us to kind of pivot. Being a larger company, it is, I think, harder for large enterprise companies to make that pivot quickly. Luckily, you know, from an analytics perspective, in my own little bubble, I think we've done a fairly good job of, of making that shift much sooner than the overall company. So if I have to go back and we can get into this a bit, but I, mean, I know we've, we started our journey probably good three years or so ago. And so, you know, we've gone through plenty of successes, plenty of failures along the way, lots of lessons learned. The ability, you know, to get to the data, analyze it, the different tools. I mean, there's so much have changed even over that three-year time frame. Even in today's today's world, current state, you know, there's still a lot more to explore. So I'm super excited. I think it's just, you know, I guess my question would be, why wouldn't you, right? Being in the analytics space, why wouldn't you evolve and try to use everything at your fingertips? There's just so much. Makes total sense. So they said there's many, it's not only B2B companies, there's many B2C companies just having to go through the digital transformation. And a lot of it has to do with how consumers want to be talked to, how they want to interact. Um, they really have everything at their fingertips right now. So being able to use analytics to get them the experiences that they need and really overall helping the digital transformation at Lumen through analytics I agree with you. Why wouldn't you? It only seems to be the answer moving forward. Yeah, and I think there's a there's there's certainly a a blend, right? The blurriness that's occurring between 
consumer to the B2B. Because a lot of the people that you're talking about, they're used to just general digital interactions. So when you start going the B2B route, I mean, that's sort of the, the expectation. They have a certain expectation how they want to interact with a company of our size. So it just makes sense, right? Where the two kind of really are blending together quite a bit. Absolutely. I think there's even a new buyer. There's a lot of chat about millennials becoming the key decision makers because that's where they (laughs) are in their life right now. And millennials have mostly been in their adult life with digital and Mm -hmm. mobile and being able to easily access products and solutions. And they're starting to want that in their, their business life. So it makes total sense. I'm glad that you are really leading the charge at Lumen because you have Mm -hmm. such great experience. So how are you leveraging cloud-based models for data analytics right now? Yeah, so that's sort of a new area for us. You would think that with all the cloud computing that's out there, we would be utilizing that framework a lot more. There are reasons why. A company our size, our network, it's, you know, there's a lot of security around that. So we've been a little bit slower to adopt cloud computing, quite frankly, but my team, and specifically, is it sort of on the frontier of that? The, our IT organization is now very supportive and open to allowing us access to those kind of cutting edge tools, right? So being able to process more th- things off-prem, ramp up, you know, ramp down your processing power, storage capabilities, you name it. It only helps us sort of achieve our goals, quite frankly. I, I feel like you know, your on-prem kind of traditional data warehousing tools, they're limiting. They have, you know, you can look at, there's plenty of examples out there where, you know, you get somewhat limited, you kind of get maxed out on servers, things of that nature. And with data growing so rapidly, I mean, it's exponential. It is crazy. You've got to be able to use higher processing capabilities to analyze it, understand what you're looking at, and then provide those insights. My, I mean, my stakeholders expect insights and and just outcomes pretty quickly. But the more data you have, that's that's where the the challenge is, right? So you've got to be willing to innovate. You got to be willing to move into those new areas that help you get there. And like I said, we're just now getting stood up on a, on a new cloud platform. And I feel like it's going to get us there. And it's it's funny. I was talking to one of my leaders the other day. And we were kind of going through this, why are we doing this, right? Like, because he's the one that's kind of on the front of this. He's going through a lot of challenges around working with IT teams and trying to get to that step. And it's taken longer than he expected. And he get, you know, he was asking, so why are we doing this again? And so we talked through it, right? And it was kind of like, well, it's not a matter of why, it's a matter of we have to, right? So we laid out all the kind of the key reasons. It became clear to us, it was like this epiphany of like, we have to do this. There's so much behind this that this is going to enable. We have no other. We have no other choice. So it was a really good conversation. Like I said, I think the the, the clear thing around outcome from that was we realized the you know we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep innovating, even if it's clunky and maybe it's difficult. I mean, I think that's the key message. You got to take steps, right, in order to innovate and to kind of get to the, the place where you want to be able to provide more insights. So that's kind of where we're at with that. So it sounds like the gains and the rewards of this kind of cloud-based model for data specifically is going to pay off in the long run for sure. I think some of our listeners would love to hear about what some of the challenges you face while trying to implement this. We know it's fairly new, but anything that you can share 
with our listeners of what you face and maybe they can avoid? Yeah. So, I mean, there's some obvious things that kind of popped up with us. You got to have really good alignment with your other organizations. So obviously we're heavily dependent with IT, a lot of our data infrastructure today. Okay. Going into this, we knew that there was only one other organization that had successfully stood up this and was using an off-prem solution pretty frequently. As we started to go down this path, we thought, you know, from our perspective, we had other, we had a bunch of different options that we wanted to explore, right? We probably had three or four different vendors that we were thinking about. And we quickly ran into some roadblocks. There was, there was a lot of, no, we can't do this because of this, or we can't use them because of this. And then we have, you know, we have data science uh, capabilities that we want to hook up and connect to and different things. So there were some challenges with that. And it quickly, we quickly realized, you know what, we just, we can't really swim against those challenges. We kind of got to work with them. So we, we kind of met in the middle. We chose the vendor that was kind of preferred from an IT perspective. And that was kind of the step one part. <laughs> Beyond that, you know, in order to get our cloud platform up and running, you know, if you've ever done any cloud computer stood up, you know, I, I guess it would equate this to if you've ever had any experience with say AWS or Azure or any of those platforms, it's not that difficult to spin up an instance. You know, it could be literally minutes or, or you know, somewhere in there. For us to get go through all the security checks and work with IT teams who don't have uh, a lot of familiarity with standing up these off-prem solutions, even though we sell off-prem solutions, by the way, we ran into some challenges there. Like they didn't know how to do this. In some cases they tried it, didn't quite work the first time. They had to do another, you know, another <laughs> way to get, get there, then maybe a third way. And it ended up being about two weeks before we successfully got our, our platform up and running. And even then, I think we're still going through some configuration things to kind of dial it all in. So, so yeah, I, I mean, you know, certainly that was my experience. But certainly that alignment, I think, is key. Like I said, I think we're, we're in a unique space. We're, we're kind of on the frontier of some of this. So I get there are going to be some challenges. I, I just didn't expect early on that we would run into this. That's anything in life, personal or business, right? Exactly. <laughs> Everything always sounds easier than it will be. Yep, um, always. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about how you're using cloud-based models for data analytics. Going back to really the digital transformation journey, there's a lot of facets that go into that specific journey, but e-commerce is gonna be one of the biggest ones. I'm talking about how people are changing the way their buying behavior mm -hmm. is, how what they've gotten used to. How is your team really supporting the e-commerce part of this implementation? Yeah, so this is where the scope has just exploded on us. It's unbelievable where we were just a year ago to where we are today. I'll give you some context real quick, and then hopefully that'll provide uh, a little bit of historical background. So we actually had an e-commerce platform. I'd say we it's been out there for a little over a year now. I'm going, I think it was the beginning of 2020, I think is when we actually rolled that out. There wasn't a lot of thought that went into it. I'll just be honest. So what that means is we rolled it out. We kind of, it's just, you know, we didn't, we didn't put a lot of analytics against it. It was kind of like, here it is, but there was no concerted effort to really drive part of our business that direction, right? It was kind of like, were we committed? Were we not committed? Things like that. 
Alongside that, my team at the same at, at that time was building up a lot of our kind of web analytic capabilities, and so it was fairly new to us too, right? So we, we weren't even like, okay, great, we're doing some e-commerce, awesome. What does, what does that mean? So yeah, we would throw some analytics together around that, but it was pretty basic in terms of, you know, conversions, cart starts, completions, things of that nature. Fast forward, we weren't really getting the traction in that space. And it became clear with some of our newer products that we've been pushing as well as even developing in the marketplace today, that there's an expectation that you know, we need to deliver some of these products through some type of a digital ecosystem. And so this is where it sort of evolved in terms of the O platform was, wasn't very, was pretty clunky. There wasn't a lot of digital experience at the time. So that's another area that also ramped up alongside this space over the past year. So even internally, we didn't really have a, like a digital North star or anything that, of that nature to kind of drive us a certain direction. And so it all kind of came together. I'd say over the course of the year, you know, we got, we brought a leader in for the digital experience side, the e-commerce side, it was not doing so great. And there was a lot of discussions around how do we revamp this? What is that going to look like? What does best in class look like, right? How do we put more focus on it? How do we get better alignment? And then obviously the analytics was just part of that equation because when you started going digitally, you have a lot of data, right? You have a lot of digital interactions and now there's a lot more focus in that space as to how do you create a 24-7 marketplace? And so we're going through that now. We only just recently launched the latest version of our econ, new econ platform. But at the same time, as I was alluding to, where we our, our scope exploded. So we were, you know, doing web analytics, kind of campaign, digital campaign performance, things of that nature. And we were quickly asked, we need help on the digital experience side. Well, my team doesn't know what that what that means. <laughs> so right. we've, we've we've had to we've had to grow very quickly to accelerate that effort. And alongside that, you know, there's a lot of challenges, just you know, skill sets. What is digital experience? I don't know what those metrics are, you know, and then you start to outline a digital journey and, and, and then you start to figure out well, how you can support those, you know, those efforts along the way. The good news, the one thing I will say along with this is there's a, a much better alignment today than a year ago. A year ago is very disparate and then not a lot of attention. Now there's a high degree of attention and a lot of alignment from key leaders and organizations. Now we're still not there yet. Like we still have some challenges with some of that alignment, but I think for the most part, you're getting a lot of people kind of buying into it and wanting to help out. And so now there's a lot more that we're doing to play in that space. As I mentioned, we've got, you know, specific tools that we're using to kind of, you know, beef that up and provide insights. And I think our credibility that we built up over the last couple of years is also helping us out because now we're kind of that go-to team that people are looking for. So that's kind of how we've kind of stepped into this space. I'd say it was pure coincidence more than anything, but it's it's super exciting. I, I can't tell you how exciting it is. I mean, there's, there's so much we can do now opportunity-wise that we haven't been, been part of before. Yeah, and I love hearing about just all the focus on the digital experience. We know that about 70 to 80% of B2B buyers, they don't even want to talk to a sales rep until they are sure that they want to have that conversation. They really want to do it by themselves. They want access to content. They want access to reviews. They 
want to just be on their own and do it at their own time. So I think you guys really thinking very thoughtfully about that of what is the experience that the buyer is going to want to have and being able to buy easily from the website is going to be payoff so much for because you're so ahead of the game Mm -hmm. in many years to come. Yeah, that's the hope, right? (laughs) I mean, I mean, it's still a challenge, though. I mean, quite frankly, not all parts of our business are sort of lined that way just yet. So while it's great that we're kind of getting this, this kind of initial digital experience identified, and we, you know, we're taking an account, just what you mentioned, you know, how is that person going to go through the flow, right? What's the support model look like if they have an issue? I mean, even that's got to be accounted for, right? You got to, you got to have a kind of not, I won't say an off board, but you got to have a mechanism that allows them to kind of stay in that flow. Cause you're right. They probably don't, they want to go off and talk to the seller. I think we probably would get more abandonment in that situation. So I would agree. Yeah. I think they eventually want to talk to a seller and if a seller is reaching out, they should have you know the data and analytics to mm-hmm. know what to say and have that meaningful conversation but being able to give them the content and know because you have all that data and analytics of what you should be surfacing to them and what was right for the buyer's journey, that's going to be the ideal situation. Yeah, for sure. And you have many products <laughs> working with you for a number of years now. And those that products and solutions seem to be growing. You know, just to name a few, we have communications, edge, DDoS. How did you decide which solutions would be ideal for the e-commerce strategy? <laughs> well, that's been a, that's another one of those challenges that, you know, you, you don't expect coming into this that would be a challenge, but it is, right? So our products, I mean, we have a lot. You're right. We have a lot. I, I can't even tell you how many we have. I'd probably say it's probably 60 or so plus different flavors, you name it. Some of them are overly complex require a salesperson to kind of work through what's the solution look like for the customer. Others we know are much simpler, right? It's simply internet access or it's like a DDoS solution. And those are the ones when we went through this right now, I'd say we probably only have a handful that actually meet the criteria to be able to sell online where we can provide the content. We know we've got enough information to guide the customer to be able to make a decision. And so once we get to that point, then it becomes, do we have enough of you know, the price points, the pricing, the you know, some of the other aspects that are needed, configuration, that make that seller experience. And I think that's the key. Like, you know, I don't know how, you know, I'm sure plenty of other large enterprises go through this. Some of them don't ever even do any way to sell, right? I'm assuming, you know, there's probably a lot of complex products that they sell. Um, We're fortunate enough, we've got at least a a handful to start with. But yeah, it's gotta be be really simple. Even to the point where, and I didn't didn't even know we were into this, but to be able to deliver the service in even a timely fashion was a a critical piece. So we've we've done a lot of like listening circles to gather feedback from the customers that help guide us as to what they expect from an overall digital journey. And one of the things we ran into was, you know, they expect products to be installed within a certain time frame. Well, right out of the gate, we couldn't meet some of that. <laughs> and those, we knew those were gonna be challenges. And so we're still working through how do we make that more transparent? How do we make that quicker turnaround, quicker install times? 
you know, there's a lot of change aspects that are kind of ongoing as a result of this overall effort. But I mean, even that comes into play. Like you wouldn't expect, well, you know, if you can't deliver within a certain time frame, then you just don't offer it as a as an e-com solution. But that's another deciding factor that sort of come up too. Do you have a list of solutions that you might be thinking about next, or you think you're just going to be solely focused on the ones that are in the marketplace now, and you want to see those succeed first? Yeah, so there's a roadmap this year that we're aligned to. I think there's roughly, say, six products that are, two of those were launched or were previously um, available on our our order platform. Um, Those switched over, and then we've got a few planned over the next couple quarters. The same thing. I mean, it's it's sort of use the term we're digitizing some of our products, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's the toughest part. And you're 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 switching things in such a way, you're changing how we do business, support models, et cetera, the point where you have to have all that underlying uh, processes, et cetera, switched over or make it work. I think that's the difficulty. But yeah, back to your question, it's roughly six this year, I think that we're rolling out. And then I don't know what the plans are beyond that, but I'm, I'm guessing as we either develop products or we start to figure out how to digitize those, we've got things sort of in the queue behind it. Well, I think our listeners are going to love hearing the challenges that you've seen just and learning from them, just inst- people not wanting to wait for the installation date because they need it right now, going back to how they want to even buy and experience everything right now. So it all makes sense. What is, you know, some good news? What are some of the early successes you found? Well, there's quite a few there. I'd say if I just look at the the large amount of support and just alignment across these teams, I mean, there's a lot of groups now kind of getting behind this effort, which if you, like I said, if you go back about a year ago, that wasn't there. Not say that we don't have you know more headwinds in order to kind of be more focused, but the fact that we've sort of turned that corner is to me a success in and of itself. Because you know, we relied upon seller-led transactions for years. And to kind of move off of that is a big challenge. I mean, like I said, the support models have to change. Um, we have to kind of remove how we did business before in terms of even working with the customer directly after we've sold that product, because there's communication steps, right? And things like that. And if you think about how you or I or or even the customer wants to interact with us, there's that kind of digital kind of experience that they're looking to to get. So, you know, do they want to go and log into, we have a control center where you can log as a customer and see lots of your service information, et cetera. They want quick access to the information. And so just that of itself, has been a challenge because we had worked in a, in a world where there was a team that all their, their main job was communicating to the customer in terms of like, hey, we're going to experience this delay or we need more details from you here or you know, whatever. And so they're kind of that go-between, which is great, right? When you're trying to make sure that they're in the loop. But as we kind of discussed in today's world, the expectations changed. They just want to get that themselves. They just want to see it right there in their view, get the information. You know, maybe they're multitasking in a meeting. You know, they can pull right up. They can see it. Great. I can move on. I know exactly where I'm at, right? If there's a delay of even a couple of hours, I mean, that's enough to dissatisfy your, you know, have an experience issue. So those are some of the successes right there. Like getting that alignment and trying to shift that direction 
And overall, let's put it this way. Even if we don't enable a better customer or digital experience, we're enabling how we're doing business in a better way. And so I guess that's what I was saying. In and of itself, that's a win. That's a huge win because we're, getting, we're only getting better as a result of it. It's kind of forcing the change. And that's kind of what we need. Right. And I keep picking up throughout this entire conversation. It keeps going back to the customer and prospect experience, which is I think you're also ahead of the game here too, that that's how you're approaching it, right? So what is the experience that they're gonna, they're gonna have the best experience to get here and want to buy for the first time as a prospect or even more? Mm-hmm. So obviously coming from a, an ABM world, this music to our ears. <laughs> 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 you know, one question I have, which could probably be applied to anything in, in work and life, what are some of the tips you wish someone or maybe even your future self would have told you before you went on this journey of e-commerce? Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> for my future self, yes. <laughs> Don't assume you know everything. <laughs> I can't tell you how many assumptions I've put out there thinking that I, oh, yeah, you know, this is simply a data problem, right, or whatever. Oh, no, no, this is more than a data problem. There's a reason why you have data problems because there's often an underlying reasoning, whether it's a process gap or how we do business or whatever, right? That is creating your data problem. (laughs) So yeah, I've made up a lot of assumptions early on. I know better now. I'll I'll just use this because I think this is a good example. At the end of the year, that's when I was kind of approached to say, hey, we need you to kind of fast track or figure out how to, to put some of these digital experience metrics and analytics into place. And I was like, okay, yeah, no problem, right? I, you know, I know the, I know how we've done business in terms of or how we've analyzed data on our dot-com site. I mean, this is a simple, just, you know, tell me where to go, get the information, I'll make it happen. Sure, right? That was my thought, that was my assumption. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's um, a life lesson for all, everyone, right? Just don't well, yeah. ass- just don't assume you know everything. Like that's a great, great answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, I was more than humbled with the fact that you know what you don't know everything, and quite frankly, it's going to be more challenging than you expect. And sure enough, it has <laughs> to the point where you know it's good. I mean, I I've been able to kind of learn from that and be like, okay, you know, this is how we're going to tackle this, right? One thing I would probably say around that is one thing we were kind of missing there is you got to build up a culture. Even my own team, where we built up a culture over the last kind of year or so, I had to rebuild that with these other organizations because it wasn't there, right? The, the whole digital experience was new. Right. And so, and so even their preconceived notions kind of came out. And, you know, very early on, early on I was I was kind of dealing with the what about this? We feel like we need to go look at this. And I'm like, hold on a second. You realize that's going to take a mountain of work. And I don't know if we're going to even get anything out of this. I'm not even sure, like, if we have access to the data, you know, even if we put something in place, it's going to be very manual. It's going to be, it's just going to be really difficult to achieve that. And I kept hearing this same thing from that team kind of frequently. And I was like, hey, hold on a second. What's going on here? They haven't even outlined a basic framework foundationally where they need to be. And I was just like, oh man, we've got to, we've got to start from, we're, we're starting, we're starting over. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I kind of, I kind of took the, a couple of years aside and said, Hey, listen, here's what I think, here, here's where I think we are. 
I think we need to figure out a way to build up this culture. And so for about the last, in fact, we're, we're kind of getting through this initial phase, but we, we took a step back and said, all right, let's build this up. Let's build up the knowledge. My team doesn't know your space. Your team doesn't know my space. Let's get together and work through this. We kicked off core teams for about eight weeks. We've been deep diving anything and everything we can to kind of get smarter about stuff. And, you know, I'd say that's been a huge step forward if you look from other eyes, maybe as a step back, but I clearly said, you know what, this is the way it's gotta be done. Like we have to start this way. We can't immediately jump two, three steps ahead. So that's where the, some of those assumptions kind of came in. Like I did, I, you know, I didn't assume, I probably assumed too much even on their side as what they knew or what they didn't know. And same thing, you know, I'm sure they, they have the same stuff about us. And it wasn't until we actually had those hard, I don't want to say hard conversations, but candid conversations about what's, what does reality even look like? And sure enough, once we got on the same, same page, we were able to move forward. So I think it's, it's a great humbling experience that quite frankly, you know, is a great lesson that I've learned in that respect. I love the passion you have for it. And I'm guessing it's probably within all these different teams that have their hand in creating something new for Lumen. I know you mentioned it had been there for a year, but it really sounds like you revamped everything and made it so much better. So with that said, how do you see this great e-commerce strategy that, that you've all come together and created really impacting your, your business short-term, but even more so in the long-term? Well, so from a short-term perspective, I mean, it's going to be painful early on. <laughs> I just know that already. I mean, we're, we're even going through, since launch, we've had some challenges. There are some things that kind of got missed through testing or even got some shortened testing, things of that nature. And I don't want to point out all the bad stuff, but it's, it's been a challenge, right? And so, as I mentioned, you know, getting some of these support models in place and really enabling this to work is kind of the step one in the process. So from a short-term perspective, I think it's it's good, it's a challenge, but it's not gonna be a, a linear progression, I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be learning as we go. You don't progress forward without failure. It's something I always kind of remind myself. And even like our initial econ platform, I would, you know, if I had to kind of look back, I'm like, that completely bombed. We just didn't know what we were doing. This time around, we have a lot more eyes wide open going into this, which is good. And we have a lot of experience, I think, in terms of where we want to be. And so based on that, I think the future is pretty bright. Like I said, short-term wise, I think it's, it could be a little difficult off the bat. Um, there are a lot of expectations too. That's the other kind of challenge we're running into. Just as we launched, we, you know, we didn't really, we were really expecting a big lift right away. So you're kind of fighting some of those expectations and different things. So, but overall, I'm excited we're there. I mean, quite frankly, I want to learn fast, fail fast. And so I think that's, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get that in the short term. Long term, it's absolutely where we need to be. I mean, I can't tell you that we cannot, as a company, we've got to shift um, how we do business. And there's so many, I kind of touched on quite a few of those already. There are so many areas where it just forcing the change, forcing the different behavior, even if we don't accomplish an e-commerce strategy and, you know, maybe in the short term, even the immediate term, how are we shaping our business and how we operate is going to be a win regardless. I think we're going to get there. 
I think we just have to keep her, you know, keep focused and keep her head down. But, you know, long run, it's absolutely going to help us move more of our business to a 24-7 model as opposed to your typical seller-led model. I think there's just so many limitations with that. In today's world, I mean, if you don't have a, my opinion, if you don't have an e-com strategy, you're pretty much missing a good chunk of business right there. Right. Everything I've read or heard from customers is that it will be the future. So maybe painful now, but you know, no pain, no gain <laughs> is what they say. <laughs> there you go. Yep. So I feel like we've covered a lot today and hopefully we can have you back where you tell us where you are in your strategy, you know, six months, a year from now. But because of your expertise, your candidness, and frankly, just your passion for the topic, I think our listeners would love to know is if there's like a book or a website or blogs or anything that you read that you would recommend. Well, you know, I thought about this when I, when I saw the question, you know, the funny thing is I don't have any recommendations because <laughs> here's what I, here's what I do. This is how I, this is how I go about it. I built up such a good network of partners and vendors over these last 20 years. I have good relationships with pretty much all of them. If I need something, I know who I can tap on the shoulder and they have no problem taking my call. So I tend to learn that way which to me, I think is a little bit better because it, it quite frankly, I feel like they have more of a pulse on how things are changing, industry tre- trends, things of that nature. And so I'll learn that way. Now, let's not say I don't go out and do my own research, right? If I need to quickly just get some answers or something or just get just somewhat knowledgeable so I can have those conversations, I actually don't subscribe to much of anything. <laughs> okay, and that's great to hear. I think just relying on sources that you know is probably even better. And we're happy to have you as a customer too. And hopefully, um, you know, you read a lot of our content. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Okay. So I guess the last question I have for you is how can people get connected with you after this recording? Yeah. So of course I'm on LinkedIn. So you could always message me through that channel. You could also email me direct. My email is rowdy.clag at lumen.com. And I'll be happy to answer any questions anybody has. Okay. Well, Rowdy, we have so enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Like I said, hopefully we can have you back soon where you can give us an update on your journey. And thank you very much for being on our show. Sure. It was a pleasure. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV.